This episode of the Beauté Industry Podcast was brought to you by Dermalist Skincare, the exciting new Australian company at the forefront of the cosmeceutical industry. Hello and welcome to the Beauté Industry Podcast, your online support community for the professional beauty industry. I am your host, founding director of Beauté Industry, Tamara Reid. Here, we are closing the competitive gap and speaking your language. This is a platform created and dedicated to the professional beauty industry, valuing community over competition. We serve to help connect you with inspiration from industry experts, expand your knowledge through educational pieces, and bring you the latest in product and technology innovation. This is Beauté Industry. Today's guest is James Vivian of the self-titled James Vivian Clinic in Paran, Victoria. Inspired by a facial treatment received whilst working at ESOP Retail Space as a sales assistant, James Vivian went on to become the first male graduate from Ali Lucas through qualification of the Diploma of Beauty Therapy. Through frustration and limitation of reward and recognition, James moved into his first startup venture, The Travelling Peelsman, which was a mobile business where he travelled to clients providing bespoke chemical peel treatments. A love for client experience and stable space propelled James to open his bricks and mortar store, which soon expanded beyond Melbourne and into Sydney. Winner of the Best Eco Salon at the 2019 ABIA Awards, James and I explore what it means to be a great therapist, the importance of touch and treatment, as well as the dynamics being a dermal therapist has on his business. Featured in publications such as Gritty Pretty, Beauty Kate, Bridie, Rescue, My Domain and Urban List, just to name a few, James Vivian is a humble therapist and business owner who strives to achieve the perfect treatment for clients based on knowledge, consistency and experience. Here's James and I for Beauté Industry. So James Vivian, welcome to the Beauté Industry podcast. Thanks so much. It's lovely to be here. Thank you so much for setting aside some time and coming on and having a chat to me. I so appreciate it. Um, James, we start the podcast in the same way each week by finding out when and where and how and all of the things about how you entered into the beauty industry and how you got to where you are today. Let's go. Um, All right. So I did not really expect to be doing what I'm doing. Uh, If you asked me when I was 18, what will you be when you grow up? Um, My answer would have been a famous singer-songwriter. But that said, I did have a part-time job, a Saturday job working at a waxing studio for my next-door neighbour. He owned a triple X waxing clinic on Chapel Street called Vanity. And I go in on a Saturday and I clean the wax off the floor and get the girls' lunches. And I really, really enjoyed that. But my whole life, my greatest passion was always music, singing and playing piano and writing music. So when I finished my VCE, it was a no-brainer. I went straight into a Bachelor of Music. And about the second or third year of the degree, I just randomly bumped into an acquaintance of mine on a train heading into the city, and he said, I've just started working for ESOP, and they're looking for um, people like me, part-time sales consultants. And I had my 
study. I had a part-time job at Country Road and in an organic food store, really no time for anything else. But I was like, yeah, sure, I'll go, I'll go for an interview. And as soon as I walked into their head office, I was like, I have to work here. And um, I got a job just working part-time. ESOP were opening a new store in Turak, uh, actually in South Yarra, sorry, on Turak Road. And they were trialling a new concept where they had a facial department, just a single room facial department out the back. And on my first shift, I arrived and the facial department was being headed up by um, a woman called Maria Vovos, who has been a mentor of mine throughout my whole career. And she grabbed me and she said, come on, James, come and have a facial. You need to know what, what we do here. And I'd had some facials before. I'd always had an, like a very mild interest in looking after my own skin. Um, but this facial was extraordinary. And I got off the bed and I looked at Maria and I said, how do I make someone feel like you've just made me feel? And she said, well, you've got to go to beauty school. And I was like, well, Maria, you don't know I'm going to be a famous singer-songwriter, so I don't have time for that. But... Um, over the next few years, whilst I worked for ESOP, you could say that my passion for music was superseded by what I was learning and what I was seeing at ESOP. And I always had Maria's voice in the back of my head, you've got to go to beauty school, you've got to go to beauty school. So one year, um, it was New Year's, and I'm all about like New Year's, new beginnings. So I thought, well, what can I do? I'd finished my degree. Music really wasn't going in the direction that I wanted it to. Um, and so I thought, well, I could go and be a music teacher. I did think about being a, uh, airline steward for like Pontus. And then I thought, well, I could also go to beauty school and beauty school actually felt like the career that I could take that would get me employed as quickly as possible. And so I signed up with Ellie Lucas like two weeks before it started. And then I was enrolled and, uh, uh, yeah, I think that's it. Yes. Amazing. Do you know, we actually had very similar pathways. So I thought I was going to be a famous dancer for my whole entire life. Um, and then I actually missed the cutoff date to apply. And I, like you, I was sitting there going, oh my goodness, what am I going to do with my life? You know, um, I probably had more of a fork in the road than you did you already had all of these plates in the air but I thought oh my goodness I'm going to apply for um, a diploma actually of resort management and two days were at Ellie Lucas and um, I only applied two weeks before the course started so how funny is that? I think that there must be if, if, if I look back at my good friends that I went through music with there is a big and and like obviously you being creative with dancing there is a big link between creativity and science because a lot of them are teachers or veterinary scientists and I'm a dermal therapist. Yeah, yes. Well, it's funny that you say that because I was just watching a biology show the other day and she was talking about plants and she said, everybody thinks that scientists are so analytical and don't like to go out of the realm, you know, of their boundaries. But she said, in fact, it's quite the opposite because we're so curious. We want to have a look at everything. So mm -hmm. it's interesting that creative and science come together there. Um, and so tell me about your time then at Ellie Lucas, because I believe you were the first 
male graduate um, to graduate from um, a beauty therapy diploma. So how did you feel then knowing that you're about to enter into a landscape of 98% females in the industry? Did you have any reservations or did that just not phase you at all? I had no reservations because it really wasn't a consideration of mine. Um, I guess I've always been one of the girls and I've always sort of favoured what my female friends were doing as opposed to my male colleagues. Um, but that it really did hit me when I arrived at Ellie Lucas on that first day, seeing all the girls beautifully presented with their lipstick and their hair pulled back. And I actually didn't have a uniform. Um, they, yes, they didn't really know what to do with me. Um, but I quickly got a uniform and um, it was like, it, in terms of like my gender, it really wasn't a consideration throughout my study and I also don't think professionally but um, I remember being at Ellie Lucas and I have to say like it was a challenge for everyone because the teachers had never had a boy in the class they were used to referring to their class collectively as women ladies girls um, and I'd always be like there with my hand and be like and there's a boy in this room mm. um, but look I mean it was, it was all very innocent and uh, you know sort of by the end of the year I just sort of like let it go but um the funny story at the end of um the year at ellie lucas when we were graduating and we we're all standing out the back and katrina roundtree was on stage introducing everyone and she was like okay ladies and gentlemen i've got 500 of the most excited women you will have ever seen they're being primed and primed and waxed and pulled and plucked so ladies and gentlemen please work please um, be upstanding for the, the graduates. Come on out, girls. And I was like, oh, <laughs> and me, <laughs> the boy. Um, but I think from a gender perspective, um, being a man can sometimes work to my advantage as well. I think it's easy to be um, uh, an individual when you're standing amongst a whole group of, of women. Um, but at the end of the day, I like to think that anyone that's selecting our services are doing it not because I'm a boy. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I actually think, what year did you graduate? Oh, somewhere like in the mid 2000s, like 2005, I think. Ah, okay. I was 2009 and I feel like I remember seeing a boy without a uniform in black <laughs> and I was yeah. like, oh no, he needs a uniform. <laughs> but it's interesting you say that, you know, the service isn't dependent on the gender and I love that because I was actually having a conversation with a business owner the other day and a lot of people come to me to find, you know, staff and team members just because of, of the reach that we now have. And um, I said, so what are you looking for? What do they have? to have qualities and she said I want a male and I want him to be a dermal therapist and I thought oh, fantastic man. how good is that now that people are requesting men in our industry and I love that we're becoming more inclusive and you do see that a lot you know in the kind of commercial beauty industry but I kind of think in our professional beauty industry um, it needs to happen a little bit faster right like hair and makeup can be heavily male dominated, but um, skin, not so much. I think in the Australian market, when you look at um, therapists that are being highlighted, um, 
and uh, being spoken about quite often, you know, I think that, that you know, it's, it's a beautiful woman in her beautifully appointed salon with a, with a bowl of hydrangeas next to her. Like that's, what, that's what's talked about and that's, that's what people's perception of, but it's really not like that. And coming back to um, who you were talking to, I'd be really interested to know like what, why she's saying that she wants a boy. I mean, I know why she's saying she wants a dermal therapist, but you'd be interested to know why she wants a male. And then on the other side, there are, I'm sure that there are people that don't want a male therapist. But then, again, you don't necessarily know that. You only know the people that want one versus there are people that will be like, oh, no, I don't think I'm comfortable with that. And they would just choose to go elsewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I want to come back to um, your facial that you had at ESOP. Can you yes. remember that experience and what that felt like to just, obviously you said that you had had facials elsewhere and mm. different types of treatments, but do you remember what was it about that treatment that made you want to change careers? You know, that's such a big pivotal yeah. moment. Well, ESOP has been a huge um, inspiration to me. So just being in that space as a whole was enough, you know, to, to, to inspire. And then being with Maria, who is a, just one of the best facialists and most beautiful women that I've ever met. So being in her company and then also just her hands and her applying the ESOP products that are so sensory. And Maria really um, taught me all about, you know, firm pressures and generous quantities of, of, of product being used. And um, her massage, I still incorporate uh, components of that in my treatments today, and she, and she knows that. It was just the, it, it, it was life-changing. And, but it was the entire experience. And that is, you know, one of the, the things that I've carried through into my own business is that it's not just the treatment. It's not just the hands. It's not just the therapist. It's not just the space. It's the combination of all of them together that got me off the bed being like, how do I do that? Yeah. 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 I think that's something that is slightly lacking in our industry nowadays. I mean, we're taught, you know, a, a 20 or a 30 step treatment sequence and that includes you know a 20 minute facial in school and then almost people are coming out now into the landscape and going straight onto the tools and when I say the tools like they're going into micro and laser and IPL and I think some of that experience and exactly as you're saying the sensory journey the touch the pressure the firmness that's getting lost and I so miss that when I have mystery shop treatments monthly I'm like where was my scalp massage? Where was my, you know, my massage? Or if it's being done, it's being done with a phone in the hand scrolling on Facebook and you're getting a one hand really crappy head massage, you know? And I'm, I'm as a client going, oh, I need it, you know? And I think that's such, that's the difference, you know, between an average treatment and an exceptional treatment. It's that presence, it's the touch, and it's just having that grace around the treatment room. Well, you're, I mean, everyone's looking for something different. And obviously you, you and, and I'm the same. When we go and we have treatments elsewhere, we are so alert. We are, we're almost waiting for them to do something that we don't want them to do. But, um, you know, when you have an experience where none of those things happen um, and they, you're almost surprised, um, they're, you know, they're the sorts of things that we try to do. And I guess as a therapist and, and to talk collectively about all therapists out there, we are all, we are our experiences and our, and, you know, my facials or our treatments are a, 
culmination of my journey. It's my time at ESOP. It was my time at Aurora. It was my time at, at, at university learning about chemical peels and then combining all of those things together that make my treatments. And it's different and it's different for everybody. But I, coming back to what you said before, what you learn at school is so very, very different to what you may end up doing commercially. And for me, I'm just so blessed that I had the opportunities to be at ESOP and be at Aurora because they've shaped me as a therapist. If I had gone and worked elsewhere, I don't know what my end product would be today. Yes. And I love how you're saying you've got a you've got to have treatments, you know, sometimes I talk to therapists and I say, when was your last treatment? And they have to think hard and it's generally training. And, you know, you, you learn by getting those treatments and you have that massage and you go, Oh, that was great. Or, or that was a little bit firm or, you know, you might have the high food treatment and go, Oh, I really don't like that setting. I'm going to, you know, understand that when I do that treatment on my clients. Well, I can say that my last treatment was this morning. <laughs> ah, good work, good work. Now, I want to understand what made you go into dermal therapies because you've got this incredibly gorgeous job at ESOP. You're there as now the manager and it's like a facial destination department. What was that kind of inkling and curiosity to go dermal? Mm. Well, it, it was what I still call the best job a beauty therapist could have. I was living up in Sydney. I was managing the facial department. It was a single room, but nonetheless, I was, you know, my own boss. Um, and I was, I, I absolutely loved every single component of my job, apart from when a client would say to me, what is this on my face? And I'd be like, I actually don't know. I know your combination skin and you're a little bit dehydrated and you're a bit flushed through your cheeks. So we're going to, you know, try to settle that and, and, and align that. But nonetheless, what that growth is or why you're having that reaction and where it could possibly be coming from, I had absolutely no idea. And almost from the first time that someone asked me that, I was frustrated with my inability to answer that. And I guess I put up with that frustration for maybe like, two months um, and then, I mean, going through the Diploma of Beauty Therapy, you, you, you're exploring your options already. You know, they, at, at Ellie Lucas, they're talking to you about career pathways and, you know, just being in the industry, you do know, what, know what's out there. And dermal therapies I, I knew about but wasn't resonating with me at all at that, at that time. So moving up to Sydney, I, being frustrated with my lack of knowledge, I then enrolled in the Bachelor of Health Science. And at that point, when I was doing it, it was one day a week for the first 12 months. So what I did was I, and that was delivered on a Monday. So I would fly down to Melbourne on a Saturday after my um, shift ended and I'd come down and I sort of felt like I had the best of both worlds because I could come back to Melbourne. I could hang out with my friends on a Saturday night, Saturday night and Sunday and then I'd do um, a full day of school on the Monday, fly back Monday night, be ready for work on a Tuesday. And I did that for 12 months and I absolutely loved it. Um, and then at that point when I was doing the degree, you could then decide to stay um, like one day a week or you could um, expedite your study and, and go full time, which is three days a week. And I really wanted to do that because I was absolutely loving it. So I was a bit devastated to have to leave Sydney 
um, leave my role up there and fly back to Melbourne, or to um, move back to Melbourne, sorry, but it was absolutely, absolutely the right decision. I love hearing stories about the therapist who travel somewhere to get and pursue that education. To me, that just shows so much dedication and just passion for the role. You know, sometimes people, you know, train or drive, but you're literally flying <laughs> on a weekly basis to go get education. So I love that. It was, it, was, it was a lot of fun, it, almost a little imposition because when I first got to Sydney, I didn't really have many friends. So coming back home and hanging with my friends on the weekend was great. But then as I, as I was in Sydney longer and I started to find my crew, it almost was a little bit like, oh, I'm really sad I can't hang out with you this weekend. But it was all a means to an end. After the break, James shares with us where his need to open a skin clinic developed and what he views as an exceptional service. But first, a word from today's beauty partner. Dermalist Skincare is the exciting new Australian company at the forefront of the cosmeceutical industry. Designed to reduce the time, complexity and number of products required to achieve clinically beautiful skin, clients and clinicians alike have been going crazy for the fast, dramatic results Dermalist has been delivering since their launch in late 2019. Due to such an overwhelming response from their range, Dermalist are actively looking for stockers to bring their powerfully simple three-step skincare system to new locations in 2020. Join the revolution of multitasking, clean clinical cosmeceuticals by becoming a stockist today. Head to www.dermalist.com forward slash stockist for more information. Thank you to the team at Dermalist for making this episode of the Beauty Industry Podcast possible. And now back to James. When did James Vivian, the clinic, pop into your mind? Was it something that ever since being a beauty therapist and dermal therapist, you wanted to open your own space? Well, I remember a moment and I know exactly where I was at ESOP and I had this revelation where I was sort of feeling a little bit frustrated with the amount of output I was given versus what I was being paid. And I remember just thinking, well, I can be one of those people that has a chip on their shoulder about it, or I can actually do something about it. And that was when I sort of thought, well, I think that you probably will need to be someone that works for yourself. Um, because I just thought, no, I'm not happy with the exchange. <laughs> so, but that was, you know, this was sort of years before I actually did start my own business. So being back in Melbourne, um, it was the final year at uh, Victoria University and we did the chemistry component and that included the theory and practical components of chemical peels. And, you know, working for ESOP, doing the facials, I was working with small amounts of lactic acid and I was feeding a little bit extra into my treatments. But I was so enamoured by this subject. I was obsessed with it. And I did, you know, it was sort of, there was such a clear distinction between this subject and my other subjects in terms of my marks. But my interest was peaked immediately. And I, this also coincided with me 
um, and another one of my colleagues, Sally, at the time being asked to come and work for Advanced Skin Technology as a sort of skin expert role. And we would go out to clinics and um, we would see like some of their tricky clients or we would assist them in like a promo day. And we were just sort of chemical peeling skins all day. And to do this job, they gave me a little bag of peels with some back bar that I could easily trans transport in my car to any clinic. And I was like, well, I can replicate this kit and I can do it for myself. Mm. So I bought a massage bed. I actually don't think I had bought a massage bed. It just started with me inviting like my girlfriends over, going around to my mum's house and giving peels on the bed. And... I was excited by it. My friends were excited. They loved their skins. And so then I bought a little mobile massage bed. I covered my Mini Cooper in company branding and I called Travelling Peelsman. And it was really just a hobby that I, that I started, you know, with one client and then you have two and three. And it, it, it was very much word of mouth business. I think because it was a bit niche, um, I was a guy driving around in a peel mobile, giving chemical peels. It did garner a little bit of press and that also helped um, propel the business a little bit. But it was very much a hobby in the middle of my final year at school. And by the end of the first, uh, by the end of that year, I wasn't working full time within the business, but it, I was um, earning enough for it to sustain my lifestyle. And it and I was very curious to see where I could take it. But it was strictly chemical peels. And I just ran with that for probably about 12 months, 12 to 18 months. And I, again, you know, felt a little frustrated with the fact that although I knew what I could do with peels and you can get fabulous results with peels and obviously the complementary skincare, um, I was not utilising any of my other knowledge um, and um, a practical experience in lasers and other um, in clinic treatments that couldn't be offered mobily. So I then started to just reach out to my network and one of um one of my friends was uh plastic surgeon dr andrew ives and he had a he had rooms on the avenue and i went to him and i asked him if i could utilize one of those rooms and he agreed to that so then i just moved i bought um, a cutera zeo and I incorporated that into my treatments. Still working mobily at, at, this, at this time, but really within about six months, any time that I was on the road seeing clients was detracting from time that I could see clients at the clinic. Um, and then I did that for about another 18 months until I realised that, you know, I needed my own space, I needed my own aesthetic, I needed to be my own boss, and I went up to High Street in Paran, and that, that was seven years in November that I'd been up there. Wow, that speaks volumes about yourself and your clients and the service you're providing. I mean, sometimes, well, we know, you know, 80% of businesses don't last beyond three years. And the fact that you've kind of evolved the business from the traveling peelsman with your peel mobile, I love that. Um, and then you've gone into, you know, a bricks and mortar clinic. I think that it just, yeah, it just says so much about the type of service that you were providing and the fact that you were able to almost have a full-time business for 18 months 
in a remote location and then go into the bricks and mortar. I appreciate because sometimes I think as therapists, you know, we want to be the manager before we've been the therapist. We want to be the boss before we've been the manager. So I like that you've had that transition too. You know, you haven't gone straight to step 10. You've gone one, two, three and traveled through that pathway. I feel really blessed and I wish that I could say that it was, uh, I made a conscious effort to do it this way, but starting the Travelling Peelsman, buying that kit, it was such a small outlay of money and it, it didn't seem like work. It was, you know, very, very much just a, a hobby and a passion. Um, and then having um, a, a group of clients for when I bought the laser and when I started renting a space, I knew that, I was going to have a stream of people coming through every day. And I remember thinking, I don't know where I'd be at if I was just opening carte blanche. I've got no idea. And I think that, you know, I, I, I empathise with clinics that do it that way. Um, but having that network before I started, I feel very, very lucky that I did it that way. And then moving up and taking and renting a whole premises again once I was a little bit busier again, it, it, all, it seemed like the natural progression, but it certainly wasn't a, a strategic business decision. Yeah, amazing. And I think sometimes, you know, just that natural progression and when life kind of just pushes you in the right pathway and you think, oh, this is, this is a bit easy and this is fun and it is all happening naturally, sometimes you go, hang on, some, something's got to give, you know. Um, but I feel like sometimes when life is just giving you that natural hand, you've just got to follow it and, and look where you are today. Um, I'm wondering then, you have a signature treatment, which I see on your website and also a little bit on your social media as well what does this treatment involve so our signature treatment is it's the treatment that we do sort of all day every day and why people love it is because it is extremely personalized to every skin every visit and it really is a culmination as I said before of, of like of, of my history as a therapist so it's very much a results orientated treatment and we're utilizing chemical peeling procedures we're utilizing light therapy whether on whether it's our heal light or it's our cutera laser genesis but we're also combining it with traditional facial techniques so lots of massage um, a big emphasis on exfoliation I know that you know, exfoliation for some therapists and clinics is a naughty word, but at James Vivian, we are all about exfoliation, obviously exfoliating appropriately, but nonetheless, um, we really feel that it is a, a, a big part of skin health and also just a, a, of a beautifully presented skin. So big emphasis on exfoliation. Um, we extract at James Vivian. Again, I know that uh, clinics are um, yay or nay to that, but a big emphasis on um, deep cleansing and getting what's available to us out of the skin. And the treatment too is can yield downtime and um, discomfort or it can be completely like, you know, out the door, ready for a photo shoot. Um, and as I said before, it, it's not a one-size-fits-all. The treatment you have that you had four weeks ago is probably going to be very, very different to the treatment that you're going to have today because your skin has been exposed to lots of different elements, things have changed and you need a treatment for your skin on that day. Yes. I appreciate you saying that, you know, sometimes exfoliation can be seen as taboo or extractions and even peels now, you know, some therapists are saying we shouldn't peel the skin at all or microdermabrasion. I think, 
you know, it, it's very easy for us as therapists to jump on the bandwagon of hearing something else and then discarding what we've learned or what we know. Um, and then we can even do that when we train throughout different products and throughout different treatments as well. But I like that, you know, you're sticking to your guns and you're doing what you believe is right for the clients. And it seems like obviously it's going well because you've got such a loyal clientele who just adore you. I mean, everybody's posting on social media and, you know, up and down um, kind of South Yarra and Paran, even other therapists who I've spoken to, they just speak volumes of you. What oh, do you think, <laughs> well, what do you think it is about, about you and your services? I mean, you said there that it was bespoke, but there's got to be something that is, is really drawing them into your space. Oh, look, I think that at, at James Vivian, we are all qualified dermal therapists. Um, and I, I will never compromise on that because continuity is so important, whether a client is seeing me or, or anyone of of, of my colleagues, they need to know that they're getting the same level of knowledge and experience and education that they would if they were seeing me. And I can't tell you the amount of information that I learned at, at Victoria University. I mean, it just took me from a very basic, um, very enthusiastic therapist into, into a health scientist. And I, and often I just think to myself, I thank God I did that course. So whenever someone comes to me and asks me for my um, recommendations about what, what they should be doing, I'm always very vocal about the dermal therapies degree. Um, I had a challenge when I opened a clinic up in Sydney um, about two years ago. I um, uh, took a space because I've been travelling up to Sydney for 10 years, about every four to six weeks. It started with the Travelling Peelsman because when I started the Travelling Peelsman, I actually had a client base in Sydney versus Melbourne. I just had some, some mates. So I started going up to Sydney and um, I guess after eight years of doing that, I thought, well, I'd, I'd love all of this hard work to stand for something. So I rented a premises in Double Bay and I underestimated how difficult, a, a, how difficult it would be to find a therapist, a good therapist in, in Sydney, and also um, the distinction between um, a non-dermal therapist and a traditional beauty therapist, say, for example. And I do want to preface that this with you can have incredible therapists that aren't strictly dermal therapists, but being a dermal therapist is what I know, it's who I am, and it's also um, what... Um, the, the girls that work with me at the clinic are and what they know. So I, the greatest challenge for me having that Sydney clinic was that they were not a dermal therapist and that is what kept me up at night and that is actually why I chose to close the clinic because I felt like the level of service was not, there was no continuity there and, um, yeah, it was you know, a big learning curve, obviously, but um, coming back to your original question, why do people come? I think it's because of our, our breadth of, of knowledge um, and it's our machinery too. We have curated an offering that suits our clientele um, and that is a clientele who are very, very invested in their skin, um, very, very passionate about their skin um, but at the same time, they don't necessarily want a big degree of downtime and, and of discomfort. So, um, you know, I've made some 
I learned that the hard way. You know, I bought some more invasive style machinery that sat there underutilized. Clients would often have one, but be like, I'm not having that again. So Mm -hmm. I'm curating this offering for them. Uh, And so, yes. Amazing. It sounds like consistency for you guys is of the utmost importance. Um, I'm wondering, do you have a really extensive induction and onboarding training? I mean, how do you then relay your touch and your experience onto your therapist? Um, as, as adults, as an adult who employs other adults, sometimes I, I do think that, you know, you can deliver the training, but at the same time you have to let them be who they are. Um, they are, we're, we're adults and we're professionals. So um, I think that when someone comes to work with me at James Vivian, there's already a bit of an understanding that I do things my way, that we have a very specialised approach and people that come to work alongside me want to be in on that. They're a bit quirky themselves. They've got a personality um, and they, yeah, want to be a part of, of what we're doing. So that is that's not something that you can train. That's not something that you can induct someone in. You know, they've got to have that personality. And also a big aspect of, I think, of being a therapist is intuition. And that's something that I look for in spades when I'm recruiting because that ability to know when to say something, when to not say something, when to push the treatment, when to pull back um, is something that, you again, that you can't treat at all so that intuition is something that I'm looking for at all times Um, but in terms of training and making sure that we are that we are delivering a consistent treatment that is something that I push very very hard on and um, that is something that if someone's not getting immediately you know, we're, we're reviewing that relationship pretty quickly because it's not rocket science by any means, but it is definitely something that someone needs to be getting pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so you're obviously passionate about that consistency, but also very passionate about um, the eco aspect of your space as well. And um, I want to congratulate you because in 2019, just last year, you took out the ABIA award for best eco salon. Um, Why is that so important to you and and what do you actually have to do to not only be eligible, but I mean, you won the award. Mm. Oh, look, I'll be honest with you, like, um, uh, sustainability has always been, uh, like a passion of mine, but really it, it didn't extend beyond, you know, making sure that we are recycling as much as we could, whether it's at home or whether it was at the clinic. But when I, so we've got to rewind a few years, I was filling out a submission for, um, an ABIA award for clinic of the year and it got to the question about tell us about your green policy and my answers for all the other questions it was easy to answer then we had lots of content for that but for what is your green policy I just felt like we recycle as much as possible was not going to cut it so I actually stopped the submission then and there and I then started researching about 
what a green policy was and what my options for um, uh, green, a green policy was. So the first thing I found was sustainable salons. And I got in touch with them. And at the point, at this point, they were strictly hair, uh, hair salons only. So, but they were very, very interested in partnering with me and learning more about my business and sort of what our waste looked like. Um, so we could really um, take up most of their initiatives with their paper, their plastic, their glass, their chemicals um, and their metals. They, they recycle some other elements that aren't appropriate to our industry. But, um, yeah, we came on as their first non-hair um, salon clinic and it was so inspiring so quickly because we went from taking out our, our general waste bin once a week that was predominantly full to taking it out about once a month and it's probably about a quarter full. So it's safe to say that we have reduced our in-clinic general waste by over 80%. And um, every fortnight, our, the sustainable salons bin goes out. It's purple and it is overflowing with recyclable materials that you know exactly where they're going um, to be repurposed to. And you also know that there's a charitable component as, as well. The, money's a, the money that they raise through their recycling endeavours goes to support Oz Harvest, which feeds the homeless. So that was the first thing we did. And then we started to see, all right, well, what, are we le what else are we left with? We're left with a lot of um, consumables that can't be um, recycled. Okay, if they can't be recycled, then can they be biodegradable? So then we started to change as many of our consumable products as we could to biodegradable. Um, then we started to look at um, other, other components like, or other businesses like TerraCycle, who recycle hairnets and who recycle our gloves. Um, and then, you know, looking beyond that at, you know, our um, environmental footprint from a energy point of view, from a water point of view. Um, and also we really view sustainability um, on a more macro level. And it's also about our community and our involvement within um, our um, our, our wider community too, um, through philanthropy um, and engaging with our clients and, and learning about what our clients are doing from a, sustainable, a sustainability um, uh, point and also encouraging them to join in, in our endeavours as well. So we'll encourage them to not take their, um, their boxes and plastic with them when they leave. So we'll throw all that out for, well, we don't throw it out, we recycle it for them. And we encourage them to bring back um, their products too because we can recycle most of the aspects of those. So it really was um, amazing when I saw that um, Mocker Publishing had introduced the Eco Salon Award um, within the industry. I think it's such an important award. So we, um, we really um, submitted to sort of check in about how we were maybe going in comparison to other clinics. So it was a real honour to take that award, um, but more so to actually see that award um, in existence. Incredible. Well done and congratulations again. James, I have two um, last questions for you. The first one is, what is the most valuable thing that being in business and treating clients and having a team beside you and having a business has taught you either personally or professionally? What has it taught me? Well, it's taught me I'm very much always been 
under the impression that you have to do what you love and that any day spent not doing that is a wasted day. So it's definitely taught me that I am doing what I love and I really love the journey that you go on because I've now sort of transcended beyond just strictly a dermal therapist. I'm now um, a boss and a manager and a mentor and I love all the other components of that and I love the daily challenges that are that are that are that you are faced with some of them are easily remedied and some are much more tricky and tumultuous but when you are faced with a problem and you think of it think about it and you come to an answer or a a, um, a solution and you think to yourself well, you did, you handled that very, very well. Like that is, I think, one of my favourite aspects of it. And it's always good to know that you can come to those solutions. I think that that also lets you know that you're, you're definitely doing the right thing. Incredible. Now, my last question for you, we probably have some therapists who are listening to this who may be um, a beauty therapist traveling through the dermal therapies pathway, or maybe they are a general clinician or therapist who's in a job now looking to go elsewhere. What would be your advice to anybody who's listening who maybe wants to be employed and work alongside um, yourself at the clinic? Well... I think that you have to get in touch. That's the first step. Any job, anything that's ever happened in my career, I've made it happen. I've gotten in touch with someone and I've said to them, I want to work with you. I want to work for you. And they might have come back and said, that's not going to happen. At ESOP, for example, as I, like the day I finished my beauty therapy diploma, I went to the boss of ESOP and I said, I want to work as a facialist. I want to do what Maria does. And they were like, you know, Maria's been doing what she's been doing for 20 years. And I was like, I know, I will do it for 20 years, but I'm just giving you the heads up that this is what I want to do. And within like about a month, my the way I'd kept in constant contact with Maria and the way that um, I had really utilised her as a mentor throughout my diploma, she said, James, I'm going to go to ESOP and I'm going to say, I think, I, I know that you can be a facialist here and I'm going to commit to training you and if you don't work out, no hard feelings, but if you do work out, we'll send you up to Sydney. And I trained really, really hard and then at the other end, I got the job I wanted. So you, you have to, if you want to work somewhere, reach out to them and tell them that you want to work there. Last year, um, I, I thought what I do with my business is I, I grow very small and I grow very organically. And just when I sort of see that maybe we might need another therapist in, say, six to 12 months, I, then I start recruiting because it might take a long time and there will be training um, and you don't actually know when you will push the button to, to say, yes, come on board. So at the beginning of last year, I recruited and I got a girl called Whitney who came to me with that personality I was talking about, with that intuition and with that, with that passion. And um, the only thing she was lacking was, was experience. She hadn't completed her dermal therapies degree yet. And um, I told her that with, when, when we were face to face. And then I got the, the email after that that every business owner dreams of saying, hi, James, it's Whitney. I just want to let you know 
how much I love meeting you and how much I want to work at James Vivian, whether or not it's today or it's next year or it's down the track, I really want to work there. And like, what, what else can you say to that? You know, that just makes you think, okay, she's the next person that is going to work with me. Um, and she now works for me. Amazing. So that would be my advice. Um, and my other advice is, and I guess that this is, uh, this, this, um, Whitney is a good example of this, you know, she was finishing off her dermal therapies degree, but she didn't have what I deem to be enough hands-on experience. And I, I, I have heard from a few other people that that, that that can happen. You know, students can get so caught up with the, um, the study side of things that they come out the other end and they've been like, oh, I actually haven't worked for four years. So for me, that, that education is so important that so is the ability to actually sit with the client and be able to perform the treatments. So I think that as much as you can, you get experience. And if you want to work in the dermal therapies realm, then the experience needs to be in dermal therapies treatments, um, like you know, rather than sort of more spa, more beauty side thing of, of things. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. Actually, um, my last interview question, whenever I used to do interviews as a director, was if you don't get the job today, what are you going to do tomorrow? And as you said, it's that perfect answer. I will come back. I will work for free if I have to. I will, you know, come and I will be mentored. I will come on Saturdays, be the spa fairy. You know, you, you want people to choose and apply for jobs with a space that they are passionate about. You don't want somebody to go through seek and apply for 45 jobs just for the sake of getting a job. And I love that. And go Whitney for, you know, making that your little connection and, and she got the job in the end. So that speaks volumes. She is incredible. Amazing. James, thank you so much for coming and having a chat with me today on the podcast. I really appreciate all your time and um, you know, you're such a wealth of knowledge. Our audience is just going to adore this episode. That's my pleasure. And thank you for all the work you do. I think that the industry is doing a fabulous job at supporting um, us as business owners and bringing us together as a community. So keep it up. What I admire most about James is that he completely understands what his clients and his business needs are and does not stray from them. The key point to emphasize here is the fact that James will not settle for less than what his clients deserve. And in the reactive industry that we have, I truly appreciate the need for his decision-making and treatment providing process to be as considered as possible. This elevates the service beyond average into exceptional in my opinion. I hope you've enjoyed the conversation between James and I, and if you have, please feel free to tag both myself and James when you share it across your stories, because myself and our guests absolutely adore how much you love seeing and listening to the conversation. And a big thank you as always to listening and all that you are doing to support us. This community is beyond anything that I could have ever imagined, and we could not do it without you. To make sure you don't miss out on guest interviews, make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening and to leave me a little review or rating in your podcast app so that I can get all of the feedback to help guide our conversations for the future. Until next time, stay connected.